wonderful, wonderful speaker today. And uh, just real quick, if you have your bulletin, which is what you were handed uh, as you came in from uh, the wonderful Chuck and Tilly, who do an amazing job making everybody feel welcome. And uh, yes, they're amazing. And um, what you'll look and see is the men's golf tournament is going to be this Saturday, and it will be at 8 a.m. is when it will begin. And uh, just to, some general information will be at Hartwell Park. The cost is $20, and, um, and DJ, uh, who is organizing all, always makes things very, very fun, and, uh, and he's a very fun and funny guy. So uh, you'll enjoy yourself and get to know other guys within the church or at least reconnect. Uh, you can sign up through the website, Soundhouse app, all those places that you can find it are there. Um, real quick, too, is uh, we are going to Mexico to Rancho La Hermosa. It'll be uh, Saturday, June 19th, and Chad is taking a team down there. Uh, feel free to sign up. It's, it's a monthly commitment. We have to go down there. This is an orphanage that is uh, run so well, and these kids are loved and cared for so well, and they're the most, the cutest kids, and uh, we have kind of committed just to be down there and be a presence, but times at times we'll have projects and building projects, at other times we're going to just hang out and spend time with the kiddos and just making sure that we're down there. It's a beautiful uh, facility that they have down there and just right overlooking the ocean up in the mountains. Absolutely beautiful. So uh, if you want to sign up for that, you can do that app and website as well. And on the back table, there is a little flyer you can go ahead and grab. It's for our Father's Day uh, uh, service. Last year, I was so bummed because I think we were doing things online completely at that point. And it's been a tradition of ours to have a car show uh, bring out, of course, uh, TK Burger, which everybody seems to like. And then they just bring their truck out. They grill right out here. And just a really good time to connect. There'll be ice cream and things for the kids to do. Uh, we'll be all kind of out in the park area there where we'll have cars on display. And if you have a classic car you'd like to submit, please let me know. We would love to put it in. and um, Or it doesn't have to be classic. It could be new. Somebody put a Ferrari in last year, so we'll take that too. Um, you know, if, if, if you're here or hearing this uh, and you have that car, that would be great wherever you're at. Um, but, you know, just a time just to bring friends, invite people out. Father's Day traditionally is one of the lowest attended services in the year. And uh, thankfully, through, I think, just just the efforts of our team to just go, let's make Father's Day really fun and enjoyable. And it is actually one of our more high attended services throughout the year. So it's been a really great experience for everybody. Um, and so uh, if you have a dad, you want to bring him out or, or, or somebody who's into cars or just wants TK Burger, we'd love to have him. Uh, now, that's all for my announcements. If you've been a part of Soundhouse, you know we do this um, every fifth Sunday. It's a big part of, I think, of who we are as a church. Uh, I would say that we probably had 15 or more fifth Sunday speakers come through and speak at Soundhouse, um, even a couple times, multiple times, uh, just to continue to support these church plants. You know, when we started the church, if you don't know our story, we started with um, <clears throat> really just faith in like 500 bucks. <laughs> That's how Soundhouse started, just so you know. Uh, it, and we just came out and just said, let's just do something. Let's, let's just step out in faith. Let's do it. 
And it, we've never looked back. I mean, God has provided for us. God's brought you into our life. And, and it's been an amazing journey. But I will say that church planting is not the easiest thing. And, I mean, when you guys planted, it was not long before the pandemic. And I was talking to Kev, and I was like, hey, uh, how was it through the pandemic? They just trucked on. They kept going and going and going and never gave up. And I think that just says a lot about your guys' character and commitment to the people. And I tell you what, you are both working full-time for the L.A. School District, right, as teachers, uh, but at the same time, full-time pastoring. So I'm like, how do you even do it? They have a heart and a passion for people. And what we typically do with our fifth Sunday speakers is we'll take our entire general giving, and then we will donate that to the fifth Sunday church just to help them, even just financially, to go, hey, we understand how hard it is. And just to get things done, sometimes you need finances to rent the stuff you do and pay for the insurance and uh, you name it, get, getting equipment and signage and all that stuff. And so, uh, but the other part of Fifth Sunday for us is you guys get to connect with another local church that's planting. We believe that all churches report to corporate, and so nobody is a uh, corporation to themselves as a church. We are meant to be together. We are stronger when we're unified. Uh, the church has experienced way too much division. And we believe that um, at least in our little influence that we can have, we can bring unity and connection through churches, through different denominations, uh, uh, different areas. And we just wholeheartedly believe that it's absolutely biblical that Paul would call on one church to help out another church that was either in need or getting started. It was just the way the first century church worked. We shouldn't distance ourselves from that to build kingdoms. We're all about helping each other. And so... I want to first thank everyone who's been a big part of our Fifth Sundays and continue to just celebrate the fact that we are seeing another church planner come up here who took a massive leap of faith and says, I'm going to reach people because we do believe that churches are, are one of the most, if not the most important place or uh, a center that a community can have for growth and structure and morality and and faith and, and, and really purpose. So... Um, I got to know Kevin. He, uh, Kevin Johnson, his beautiful wife Jen, and uh, boy, it was probably a little over a year ago, right? I asked him out because I heard that we met at a plant Long Beach meeting, right? And I was like, you seem like a pretty cool guy. I like him. Um, but really what won me over is he's from Michigan, and so I was like, you're in. <laughs> And, uh, but really, you, you guys are just a joy. I mean, I think our first uh, encounter, we talked for like three hours at Panera Bread. We laughed the entire time. You guys are very, very fun and um, passionate about what you do. And so they lead a church called Strength Church over in Lakewood. And Kevin is going to come up here, give us an encouraging word. And then if we have time, I'll ask him questions afterwards. If, if we don't, if Kevin's long-winded, then uh, it's the last time you're speaking here, Kevin. Sorry. So could you guys give him a hand as he comes up here? Amen. All right. How are you guys doing today? How are you guys doing today? Good. So um, I like a little interaction, so we're going to practice this. 
All right. When I say somebody say amen, you say amen. All right. You ready? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Okay. Let's try that again. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. All right, perfect, amen. Okay, so let's get out our Bibles. And now weird, right? Bibles. <laughs> Who does that anymore? <laughs> but you know, the, the good thing about it is that we have Bibles on our phones and other devices like that, amen. So it's a good thing, right? If you forgot your Bible, you can just get out your phone that you're probably looking at anyway, amen. <laughs> So I want you to turn to James, and while you're turning to James, I want to just give you a, an overview of what we will be talking about. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> We're going to be talking about counted all joy. Amen. And we've heard that before. We kind of throw that around, counted all joy, counted all joy. But what does that actually mean? mean. And we're going to dive into that today and find out what that means. But in order to find out what that means, first, we have to talk about trials. Now, life is full of trials, right? And they can be small trials. They can be great trials. If any of you drive on the 405, you know what trials are all about, right? <laughs> this person cut me off. That person did that. And how do we react to it? That's what we need to find out today. How do we react to it? Amen. So as we go to James, I just want to point out that there's many responses that we can have to trials. We can have fear. We can have anger. We can have anxiety. We can have sadness. Amen. And the thing about it is, is that it's not really about the response that we have. It's more about what are we going to continue to walk in Somebody say amen, right? So that's what it's all about. That's what the, the, the whole point of Jesus is all about, is how can we be more like Jesus? Well, let's find out. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. And it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. And just a little aside here, the, uh, the, the, the Greek word that we're looking at is aldephia. I always get things mixed up, so for all you theologians in the crowd, they're like, he ain't saying that right. Sorry, I just <laughs> apologize. But what that means is both brothers and sisters, so both men and women. Amen. So that's what he's talking about here. <clears throat> And it goes on to say, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Amen. So perseverance means what? We keep going. Perseverance means no matter what the trial does to you, you get up, you dust yourself off, and you keep walking. Amen? So if that person cuts you off on the 405, you just say, oh, God, God bless them, <laughs> and you keep going on your way. Because that's what that means. Amen? That's what we have to do when we're looking at something like that. So to explain that, um, how do we react to our trials? Do we need to react to them like, God, why is this happening to me? 
God, what did I do? And I hear that a lot. What did I do to deserve this? Because this karma thing that we, we think is, is in existence. Well, what did I do to do this? Uh, what did I do to deserve this? Why am I going through? Okay, it's on now. <laughs> Putting me to the test. <laughs> That's okay. It's great. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> it's like, I got you. <laughs> anyway, all right, so we're looking, at, um, we're looking at responding to the trials. And sometimes God will allow trials to come our way just to see how we react to them. And I've been through many trials in my life, and of course, as a uh, uh, a church planner, I, I do. I get nothing but trials, <laughs> day in and day out. Isn't that right, honey? We get, we 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 live trials. We eat trials, breathe trials, drink trials, all that kind of stuff. Trials, trials, trials. And then there's a certain point where we have to stop, and we have to say, "Wait a minute, why is this coming our way?" Not God. Why did I do it? And I don't deserve it. But yet we say, "What is it that I need to learn?" From this trial? Do I need to learn patience? Do I need to learn long suffering? Do I need to learn not to be angry? Somebody say amen. Of course, y'all have no problem with anger in here, right? <laughs> no, of course not. Me neither. But <laughs> sometimes God will come and test where we are at that point. And we can get into a certain position where we're like, well, why do I keep going through the same trial time and time and time and time again? And instead of complaining about it, what we need to do is go, what do I need to be learning out of this trial that I keep, keep going through time and time and time again? Because ultimately, what we want to do is become more like Jesus. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I want to be more like Jesus. All right, that's good. You guys said it with gusto right there. I love it. So let's look, at, uh, let's look at a particular trial that I love, and that's in the book of Daniel. And that's Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to start with verse 16. Let me set it up for you. Uh, in the book of Daniel, there's this, this, this guy called Nebuchadnezzar, right? And he's a, he's a ruler at the time. And then he's such a ruler that he's like, okay, I'm going to build this statue, and everybody's going to bow to it. And there's these three Hebrew guys over here named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Nebuchadnezzar creates this law that says every time at a certain point, everybody has to bow to it, right? So it's like, uh, bing, uh, bow to the statue. They're going over here, right? bing, bow to the statue, right? But there's these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who serve the one true God. Let's say the one true God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. And they were not going to compromise themselves for some golden statue that some guy named Nebuchadnezzar, which is a weird name, to, to give that up, to have to bow to that. They did not compromise their values. So let's go to the Bible and see what it says. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him as the king was telling them they need to bow down to this statue. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this manner. 
If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. So pause right here. Nebuchadnezzar had this big fire waiting, right? This big furnace that he was going to throw them into. And he was so upset that they wouldn't do what he said is that he called the guards out, and he said, turn that thing up seven times. That one, two, three, four, five, six, but every say, everybody say seven times. Mmm, that's hot. And it was so hot that the guards that were standing right next to it, poof, gone. So at this point, you got these three guys standing there, and they got, you got this big ruler that ruled in the day, and that you got these other guards, and half of them were gone because they got, you know, uh, fried up by the furnace or whatever. And they're waiting to be killed. And their response was, our God will save us. Woo. Is that faith or what? Does that tell you that at some point they had gone through another trial that, had ex- that showed them that they can come out of this one? Somebody say amen. Because that's what God will do. God will put you into smaller trials to let you know when the greater trial comes that you can come out of that one like you came out of the one before that. So these three Hebrew boys that knew the one true God knew that God would save them. But this is the part I like. Mm. It said, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and his attitude towards change, and he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter, right? Um, no, sorry, let me go back. We're in verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But this is my favorite part here. But even if he does not, somebody say, even if he does not, mm, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So to me, this is the clincher. They said, our God will save us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to do what you want us to do. How many, just just take, take some time to let that sink in. Right? They had such faith that if he didn't save them, they were still not going to compromise. They were still not going to give in. They were still not going to uh, reject God. They were still not going to do what Nebuchadnezzar told them to do. Somebody say amen. They still were not going to be under the world's system. And if you think about your life right now, how many times do you get into a situation where you have a choice you have a choice at work, right, to where if they start talking about, yeah, that person's a Christian. They go to church all the time. They're always praying and fasting and doing whatever else. Do you, you have a choice right there to still uphold the things of God or you can fall prey to the world? You have a choice in your home. If not everybody in your home uh, has Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have a choice right then to keep going, or you have a choice to say, okay, you don't like the Bible. Well, I'm going to hide it from you and, and kind of sneak around. I've seen people do that. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to wait till you go to bed, and then that's when I'm going to read the Bible. Or are you going to stand up and say, I am going to stand for God no matter what. And if he delivers me out of this, cool. But if he doesn't, I'm still going to do what's right in God. Amen. 
Yeah, you guys can clap. That's right. <laughs> I like it. That's what I'm used to a little bit. So, yeah. Starting to wake up a little bit. Must be something good in the coffee. I, get. I need to get something later. <laughs> Amen. But that's, that's something that we, we have to realize. Amen. So if we keep going to verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He was mad. Just like the world can get mad sometimes. I want you to compromise your values. I want you to go hang out with me instead of going to church. I want you to be there instead of being there for somebody else. I'm tired of you praying all the time. I'm tired of you telling me there's a better way because I have not seen any way in my life that can change me, and I've tried everything. So I'm tired of you telling me about this Jesus guy. So he got furious, and what did he do? His attitude toward them changed. How many of you experienced that where their attitude towards you changed? Well, I don't mind if you practice your religion as long as it doesn't interfere with me. Ever heard that? I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't mind if you pray as long as you don't pray around me. I don't mind if you uh, look at the Bible, but don't let me see it. And then when they do see it, and then when they do see you practicing your, uh, your faith and, and talking about Jesus and giving your testimony and all that kind of stuff, their attitude changes towards you. As long as you do the things they want you to do, they're fine with you. I'll go hang out with you as long as you don't talk about Jesus. I'll do this for you as long as you don't keep, in, you know, you, you stop inviting me to church. But when you press forward and you continue to do the things of God, their attitude changes towards you. All of a sudden, they become friend from friend to foe. But guess what? I know a person who went through that, and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And he did not compromise his values. Somebody say amen. So I'm challenging you not to compromise your values today, no matter what, because we always say this. If Jesus can go through that, of course I can go through that, because I need to take up my cross and follow him like he told me to do. Amen? All right. So what does he do? He changes his attitude, as we've probably seen. He ordered the fire, he, uh, the furnace heated up seven times hotter than the usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Mm. So they went ahead and did it. And remember something, Nebuchadnezzar gave them the opportunity to change their mind before they went into the furnace. Like sometimes the people of the world give you the opportunity to change your mind. Hey, man, it was great hanging out with you, but you kept talking about Jesus. Next time we hang out, don't talk about Jesus and we'll be cool. <laughs> it's an opportunity. But yet we keep going, right? And they said, no, we're not going to do it. And if we read further, it says, um, so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. All right, story's over. They died. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, what? What's the point? <laughs> no, there's more to it. They had all their clothes on and everything, and it said the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot and the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and th these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Wow. Blazing furnace. Just imagine it right now. Seven times hotter than normal. 
burnt up all the, the, the soldiers who were within, uh, you know, arm's reach of it. Well, what happens here? It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything else because you'll kill me. <laughs> certainly, certainly. So he says, look, in verse 25, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Somebody say amen. So he looked into that fire, and he saw somebody else in the fire. And he said, weren't there three people in that fire? They said, yes. But he says, I see a fourth man in the fire. Somebody say amen. There's a fourth man in your fire. When you have that fiery trials, as some of the... Uh, um, some versions of the Bible says there's a fourth man in your fire. We always talk about there's a fourth man in your fire. Even when you feel like you're on fire and you're burnt up and everything is coming against you and you're being beat down, there's a fourth man in your fire. And even though everything is blazing around you, and guess what? I'm sure it was really hot in that fire, but they did not get burnt because that fourth man was there with them. So I want you to know next time you go through the trial, no matter how hard it is. There's going to be a fourth man in that fire. Can somebody tell me who that fourth man is? Jesus. Amen. Can somebody tell me when you're going through a sickness in your body, who's the fourth man that's with you? Jesus. Can somebody tell me when you're going through a struggle in your job, who's that fourth man that's with you? Can somebody tell me when everybody turns their back on you, who's that fourth man with you? Yes, hallelujah. Oh, sorry if I get a little excited. I just, uh, God is good. If y'all knew where I came from, you'd be like, oh, that's, I get it. That's why he's excited. <laughs> that makes sense now. Otherwise, I'm sitting here going, is this guy for real? <laughs> Amen. But I just want to encourage you this morning to know that no matter what comes your way, you have Jesus. Amen. You have somebody that's a fourth man in your fire. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're, I think we're going to invite um, one of the musicians up. Amen. Um, and I just want to tell you that, uh, you know, keeping faith is not easy. I get it. All of us are going through various kinds of trials. I've dealt with a lot of things in my lifetime. As a matter of fact, I dealt with the fact that 20 years ago, I was a preacher and I was a preacher who had dedicated my life to God. And there was nothing that could stop me 
from preaching the word of God, nothing that can stop me from delivering the gospel, nothing that could stop me from keeping and going. And I did ministry for uh, um, uh, two years for uh, bivocational and two years as a full-time uh, preacher, and this was it. But some things happened, and I won't go into that right now because it's great detail, and Ryan already told you that I was, you know, long-winded, so I, I want to prove him wrong. <laughs> I'm just messing, man, or am I? I don't know. But anyway, long story short is I turned my back on God for 15 years. 15 years. But when I came back... It was truly a prodigal son moment. And I would always, you know, preach about the prodigal son and all this kind of stuff, but I really didn't understand. But when I came back, I really understood what the prodigal son was all about. And I had continually told myself, okay, well, and told other people, Jesus will take you right back, and it doesn't matter what you go through, and it's about his grace and nothing you did and all that kind of stuff. But when I came back, I understood fully that this thing is about God's grace. That this thing is about the work that Jesus did on the cross. And that it doesn't, didn't matter what I did and it doesn't matter what you did because as we come back, he welcomes us with open arms. So I want to talk to you right now about that. I'm sure there's some of you right now that have strayed away a little bit and I know how that is. Maybe not 15 years straight away. I hope not, because <laughs> it was really tough. But maybe you've strayed away in certain areas in your life. You've told yourself, well, God, I will surrender this part of my life, but I want to hold on to this part of my life, because this part of my life is what I've kind of, uh, you know, worked on, and it's the fuel of my life. But let me tell you something today. God wants to have all of you. He didn't die upon the cross so he can make sure you're healed and that's it. He didn't die on the cross to make sure you have clarity of mind and that's it, and then you do whatever else with your body. He died upon the cross so all of you can be his. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I want all of me to be his. Let's try that again. I want all of me to be his. Amen. So if you're in a position right now, I want to give you the opportunity that if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or sometimes you think you've surrendered your life to Christ. I, I always talk about when I was 12 years old and I was sitting in the Baptist church and you know, they were playing that song, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. You know, y'all know that. And my mom had been getting on my case for like ever. <laughs> Next altar call, you need to get your butt up there and get saved and all this stuff. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, whatever, right? So one day when they were doing all that and they did the altar call and the preacher was there and he wouldn't stop until somebody came up to the altar. And my mom was like, get up there. And then I was in the altar, and it's like, come on, son. And I came up to the altar, and I gave my life to Christ or whatever. You know, I wasn't even listening to the preacher. He asked me some questions. I, yes. 
But I didn't understand what I was doing, right? So I gave my life, did the baptism, all that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Now I don't get my butt whooped. And now my mom can get off my case. But it was about 10 years later where I had a really real encounter with Christ. Somebody say amen. If you've had a real encounter with Christ, raise your hand. Because once you have a real encounter with Christ, you are never the same again. And when I came across this man named Jesus Christ, he just began to just pour into me. And I began to cry, and I began to be filled with the love of Christ. And I was truly never the same again. And I want to give you that opportunity today. And, 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 and you might think, okay, I did it when I was a kid, or I did it in this situation, that situation, that sort of thing. But I want it to be real for you. So if you've never given, taken the opportunity to give your life to Christ today, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand. Amen. All right, the other thing I want you to, I want to do today is give you an opportunity to do what we call renew the covenant. As sometimes we get off onto a detour like I did for about 15 years. And we need Jesus to bring us back on track because we tell ourselves sometimes, well, when I get like this or when I do that or whatever, I'm going to get myself right and come back to God. But there's no time like the present. So I want to give all of you that opportunity today. And every time I do this, I do it myself because, you know something? There's always something in me that needs more of Jesus. Somebody say, more of Jesus. Amen. So if you're out here right now, I'm going to raise my hand, and you can raise your hand with me if you just want to renew your covenant this morning. Amen. All right. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Amen. Cool. You can put your hand down, and we're going to pray together. And as I pray, I want you to go ahead and just really set your mind on Jesus Christ and really let him come into your heart. Amen. And as we do this, we're going to renew our covenant and we're going to invite Christ in to just set up as Lord and Savior, you know, the high position in our lives, in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, in our souls. You guys ready? You'll never be the same. Let's do it together. Father God, I thank you today for these saints of God that have recognized that maybe they're not on the path that they need to be on, and that's okay. And I stand with them saying the same thing, that we've all made mistakes and that we've all gotten on detours and, and forgotten about you in certain situations but Lord I thank you that you are first of all just to forgive us and second of all you will never leave us and forsake us so God we surrender all to you today mind, body, spirit, soul and we ask Lord that you take control over us and we believe it and we know that it's done in Jesus name Amen Somebody say amen. Somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you all very much for having me today. I love you guys. You are an awesome crowd. I can feel the spirit of the Lord in this. God bless you. And I think the uh, 
worship team is going to do a few songs. Amen. Would you stand with us for this last song?